Okay, welcome to Downton Gabby. We will be discussing a very dramatic, very shocking uh, episode five in season three. I'm Rachel Horowitz in Oakland. I'm Brandi Sperry in Seattle. I'm Teresa Schechter in Brooklyn. I'm Shannon Bowen, also in Oakland. So we have a lot to talk about. This was, I will just kick off everything by saying, I really was truly shocked that they would kill off a sister. It was very shocking. It was a bold move and just really sad. I don't know that anything leading up to this episode this season even foreshadowed a main character would die. Do you guys, did you sense any of that? I didn't sense any of it. There were all these other things going on. And especially in the episode before this, Tom and the troubles and, you know, everything going on in Ireland, it was, it was complete, taking us in a completely different direction. And then this, bang. Yeah. And it, and it's not that this wasn't a very good episode because it was, but it does feel quite different than where we've been led to believe the season's going because it's supposed to be about like how these how everyone's going to navigate the new world and their new adult lives as married women and stuff. And you can't do any of that when you're dead. So I don't know. Good point. (laughs) We talked in the last podcast about both sisters are married off. So this season will be all about Edith, you know, and it's just, I did not see that coming. So for our listeners at home, uh, the rest of the ladies got around to watching this episode before I did, and they all warned me not to watch this at work, but what they should have warned me about was not to watch it while expecting your first child. <laughs> <laughs> well, we couldn't do anything about that one. <laughs> but we did time. think of you. We did. I mean, even Brandy and I were texting. We're like, oh, no, Rachel, because oh, I, I mean, I'm sobbing. I mean, I was uncontrollably sobbing just because of the events, but I can't imagine, A, having more hormones, which amplifies the crying even more. (laughs) I mean, I have put down the book What to Expect When You're Expecting because it's full of horror show factoids that I just don't need to know, and only to pick up this freaking episode, and so I was thinking, you know, I'm going to write a book that's called What to Not Watch When You're Expecting, and it'll be Alien, Rosemary's Baby, and Downton Abbey Season 3. One thing that occurred to me, we were talking about how this isn't really like the, seems like a part of the season, but I do think that it does fit that motif of tradition versus progress. That same, the same thing that we keep hearing over and over again, where the fancy doctor from Harley Street is tradition, you know, and how important tradition is and preserving tradition. And then Dr. Clarkson is like progressive ideas about how to deal with these new things. But because he's not posh, you know, he doesn't get respected. Uh, and I, I just thought it was really interesting because Dr. Clarkson's thing has been like, I don't do new things no adrenaline for this farmer etc you know but for him to be the one saying we have to do a c-section and for them not to listen to him i mean he would only say that if he thought it was the only option 
And still, like, I thought it set it up quite well throughout the episode, too, that this new doctor represented two things that are sort of an Achilles heel to Robert, you know, which is, like, upper crust knows better than anything else. And um, also just, like, it's better to, to do things the old way at home. Yeah. I found it very fascinating watching these two men in their dinner jackets arguing about reproductive health and pregnancy. It was so mind-blowing to me that that's how it was and that that it was so scary to go give birth in the hospital, you know, and that you should do it at home because it's safer and it's so opposite of the whole birthing culture now. It just kind of blew my mind. How funny was it that... Dr. Clarkson sort of started to describe Sybil's, you know, <laughs> heading into labor and the Lord Grantham wouldn't even listen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Cora had to cut him off and say, Lord Grantham doesn't want to talk about things like that. <laughs> <laughs> when, oh, when he talks about the urine and he's like, dear God, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then they go in the room where the other guy is preparing to give you know, deliver this baby and he's still in his dinner outfit. And I just kept thinking, are you going to ruin your clothes? Why aren't you changing your clothes? I was so confused. <laughs> I don't understand how that works. I mean, did they at least roll up their sleeves or something? I guess. I don't it's know. Weird. It was really I'm, disturbing. I mean, I feel like I've been waiting. It's kind of interesting that it happened in Downton Abbey because I always do think about women I think, and we can get into this with Mary, but I've always thought when I see period pieces, whether it's, you know, in uh, England or, you know, wherever, that uh, having a kid in the olden days seems pretty dangerous. Yeah, definitely. A lot of women died. Yeah. I don't know why this one took me off guard. I've been feeling like I've been on guard for this for a long time. Well, I think that these these characters have been really protected. It's really just been the, you know, the ones we didn't care about that died, you know? So this was the first real <laughs> blow. Sorry. No offense to William and Lavinia, right? Is anybody well... missing them? <laughs> no. I think that makes sense, Rachel, especially, but then the, the most heartbreaking moment of the episode for me was probably when you know I had collected myself I literally had to pause the show and collect myself and then the dowager is trying to take it in stride and she says like Sybil has died in childbirth like too many women before her and I was just like I can't like now I'm not just crying wow. for Sybil I'm crying for womankind <laughs> like, well, I can't deal with this right now so well not before we move on to the dowager also to wrap up sort of Sybil I mean, not to speak ill of the dead, but her hair, when she's, when she's first That's part bed, of eclampsia. That's one of the symptoms, if you read the Wikipedia, is a terrible haircut, actually. It was, it was so bad. hair was, day. When she, before she was even in the throes of the labor and acting crazy, when she was just talking to Mary, her freaking hair was so bad. I don't understand. I look forward to seeing how stylish you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rachel, you were... <laughs> right. Good one, I think, am I, am I correct that Rachel missed the last recording? Is that yeah. right? You missed my yeah, rant we, that I went on about. We talked hair. at length. Yeah, oh, we no, talked I at was length there. about it. I was there for Oh, you were there. One. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I'm just pointing out that it got worse. 
<laughs> it's not like a cute cut for a sexy bedhead. Well, she's dead now, so you don't have to look at it anymore. <laughs> oh, you guys, come on. A little this is respect, like so please. Exactly. It, it just feels way more what, cynical it, than I was expecting from you guys. I'm just saying it feels good to laugh again. <laughs> <laughs> after a day of crying and being in shock I literally I woke up the next morning and I was still upset after watching it I just I woke up thinking about the characters and I was so upset well you guys and Brandy has this in her notes about the show but the actual death scene ugh, I mean one of the most agonizing difficult to watch scenes on television I think I've ever experienced yeah, I had like the choking cry, you know. I think there was there was something one. there was something about how it was shot. Also, like I don't know if you noticed this, but like they placed the camera like like right on the other side of the bed, right yeah, in like it was with her whoever eyes. was. Yeah, and and like that shots of Cora, her face just completely. Uh, like just grotesque from grief and crying and you just saw that like straight on you know and I think it was a lot more kind of intimate shooting than they've done usually I think that was really powerful I didn't notice that as well and I was like Cora during that scene was definitely the part that was killing me yeah I mean she was in our face yeah the whole the way the whole thing was staged Matthew was gripping the bedpost Mary eventually has to stand up and back away because it it's you know at first they were both sort of holding Sybil and you know telling her to take deep breaths and then Mary has this realization on her face that she's going to die it's just oh god it was so hard to watch and the doctor saying there's literally nothing that anyone could do and they're just standing in the back turning their backs you know it was just like you know it's futile. There's nothing we can do. It was so intense. It was just a, it was a beautifully done scene. But, you know, as usual, nobody's touching each other. You know, everyone is in their right. own, like, personal space. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It would be hard to imagine today that people would behave that way. But there's just that, like, stiff upper lip, all just keeping inside themselves was really interesting. Does anybody watch Call the Midwife? I've just started watching it, and I love it. So there's a eclampsia storyline in Call the Midwife. Oh, I also, haven't seen that one yet. Which is interesting because I it's it it they did it, and I'm like, oh, I know what that is. Oh, I know that ends badly. Yeah. So even in the 50s. Oh man, another thing I'm not watching. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. It's a really Rachel good do- show, but. <laughs> Yeah, probably wait until your child's like two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I do really like that, you know, speaking of Cora, that it really sets up this really interesting conflict between her and Lord Grantham that, you know, he didn't believe Dr. Clarkson and she did and she blames him for Sybil's death and seeing her be really raw with him. I'm wondering how that's going to play out over those episodes. Cause I don't know. Is that something you can forgive? I don't know. There was something about when Cora too, in the hallway, when they take the decision to Tom mm-hmm. and he's trying to understand what they would do. And he asked Cora, what do you think I should do? And she says, I would have taken her 
to the hospital an hour ago. Like, I don't know why we're still talking about this. And there was something very moving about it. I was shocked that they didn't go with what Cora, the mother's instinct, was saying to do. Well, it's interesting because the men are ruling this female experience. All exactly. the men are making the decisions. Well, Cora's actually had a child, you know? Exactly. I kept thinking about it in terms of my own experience and the one person I think whose opinion I would want in that kind of crisis would be my own mom because she's done it before. It's really fascinating. The other heartbreaking things, talking about the sort of stiff upper lip and everything and going back to the fact that it's quite shocking that they killed off one of the sisters is that moment between Mary and Edith oh where Edith God. is like... She's the only one that feels comfortable reaching out to people in bad times, which makes her, ironically, like, more of a black sheep of the family. So I thought it was quite sweet that she was like, we've got to get along better now. And and Mary was just like, that's not going to happen because she has to be a realist. Oh, my God. I was, you know, she has to be a realist no matter what. And I'm like, give it one minute, Mary. (laughs) Like, just be nice for one minute. But it was totally in character and heartbreaking, you know. I could not believe she said that. I couldn't either. I love it when she says, well, this is the last time the three of us will be together. Died again, just cried my face off. And I think that's, I was really surprised at how good the acting was in this episode. And even Cora's final goodbye to Sybil, talking about how you'll always be, you know, my beauty and my baby mm-hmm. I we always make fun of the actress who plays Cora and her style but this episode she was really strong and she really pulled it off I agree this is her Emmy year this is yeah, her yeah. Emmy year um yeah it was really really good I was really impressed with her and I'm sorry that I've made fun of her in the past for that face that she makes for all occasions I'm not sorry but I did enjoy her in this episode. <laughs> I I just love that she was just like, you know, tell your father not to sleep in the, tell your father to sleep in his dressing room tonight. Well, this is where the stiff upper lip killed me because I'm half Jewish and half Italian. So it's not in my nature to not scream and cry and emote, you know, like mm-hmm. you can, I would have like, I wanted people to yell at each other and tell her husband that she has all these feelings of blame and anger towards him. But it's so funny how they just simmer. They don't say anything. Well, and then I think the the reaction to Sybil's death that affected me the most was Thomas. Yes. Oh, wow. yeah. I think it was it was really interesting for me to be reminded of how far Thomas has come as a character and and then how far back he went again. I, I'm sort of fascinated by this character anyway, but then to be reminded how he's, he really never feels at home, he never feels comfortable, and the only time he really did was when he could actually do some meaningful work, and that's completely tied in with Sybil to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the look on his face, the actor, again, that was a great scene. Like, he really knocked it out of the park. Like, that was heartbreaking. 
Well, I think just when you want to write this show off as a fun soap, period, soap, they do come through with showing us different sides of the characters, and there's very few characters that end up being, after three seasons, one, one-sided and one-dimensional. Definitely. And I really loved when he said, there. there's not many people that have been nice to me, and it just made me really understand the psychology of him of why he is a bully. You know, he hasn't right. experienced much kindness, so why would he give that to others? And it was just a very revealing, very vulnerable, very beautiful moment that I, I, I felt like I, I was honored to witness as a viewer. I liked that the writers <laughs> wow. took me there. No, because I think they could have just written it off of just the family, you know, but it was like, wow, you showed me a different side. And I liked it. I think... Thomas is really most interesting when he's not just being an asshole and he's he's being far more complicated. Everything he's ever done where it's gone beyond him just trying to screw somebody. Um, like with that is, soldier that he loved the in sol- the... Yeah. 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 Exactly. Even when he was doing the black market stuff, when he realized that he'd been had, you know... Mm-hmm. All of that. I don't know. He's he's a really complicated character, and and I like when they when they push that instead of making him a two dimensional villain. Yeah, it and it reminded scene. me because we we've talked about how we think that him and O'Brien having a feud is kind of entertaining to us now, but I felt really bad having been so entertained by that because I forgot that it means he's lost his only friend in the world, <laughs> like. This guy is going to some dark places before the season is over, I predict. Yeah. Yeah. I really hope that Jimmy the Footman's gay, is all I can say. No. What are the odds, you think? No, I don't think He seems so, so uncomfortable. I, I would really love it if Jimmy did turn out to be gay, because I think that would be a really interesting storyline, and it would give Thomas more to do besides being an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that maybe because it, he, he is like so into being kind of lewd towards Ivy that maybe it is kind of a cover up. <laughs> maybe. And it's not surprising that he would be like really unhappy with Thomas's like overtures, because even if he was gay, like he would never in a million years want anyone to know that it would completely ruin his career. So I don't think him rebuffing Thomas necessarily means that he's not actually interested. Maybe. Maybe he's polyamorous and bisexual, <laughs> and he's gonna bring a whole new lens to Downton Abbey. Oh boy, that'll go over okay. well. <laughs> Carson um, will love it. <laughs> before we move on to there, actually, were a few other things that happened in this episode. I don't know why they bothered, but um, <laughs> two things I want to say. Number one, in the in the good acting realm, Alan Leechu plays Tom. Uh, Mm-hmm. I thought he did a great job. I was glad, you know, obviously it was a tragedy, but it was good to see the actor get something else to be riled up about besides just Ireland. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then Carson's reaction we have to talk about because that moment killed me as well. And the when, and the da- and the dowager. Oh, yeah. the dowager, yeah. When she leans right. on her walking stick is just she has oh, to steady God. herself. That's oh. when my that's when the waterworks were just I couldn't even Breathe. I'm like tearing up just thinking about it. I'm I totally, know. I'm totally tearing up just thinking about it. It was well. You always think about how hard it is for a mother to see to lose a child, but 
being like a grandma and watching your kid lose her kid is just, oh, yeah. it was so sad. Oh, and, you know, we haven't actually mentioned the conversation that um, Mary had with um, Sybil early on in the episode about Sybil being fine with the baby being raised Catholic. Yeah. You know that's going to come back to bite somebody. Yep. Yeah, somebody named Lord Grantham. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and also Sybil's request to her mother that Tom move forward and not backwards. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder if that'll come into play again. Well, it's interesting because none of them really like Tom. I think Matthew is the only one that actually kind of likes him. And so with Sybil gone, it'll be really interesting to see does this family really embrace him as family or will they just let him go into the world? I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. Well, do you think they'll try and keep the baby? Oh, definitely. I would imagine so. Suddenly it all makes sense. There was a, in the last episode, there was a comment out of nowhere where Lord Grantham was to their dinner guest was like, Catholics, am I right? That's random. And then I'm like, that was them setting up this conflict in their awkward yeah. way. <laughs> I think he called them like, they've always got a Johnny foreigner about them. <laughs> yes. That was just great. I was like, that's, very, I'm high, that's so offensive. <laughs> it's so offensive. Where did that come from? <laughs> I don't know. That's really oh, funny. Lord Grantham, the world is changing around you. Oh, you know what we <laughs> forgot to talk about is Matthew's conversation with the doctor. Oh, right. Oh. His uh, nether regions are working. What oh, the yeah. heck is going on with Mary and Matthew? There's a lot of eyeball exchanges. And they say a little bit, but we she hasn't come out with it. Like, what is the... So it's all her... Is she just been nervous that she can't get pregnant? Yeah, I, I think I, we I just thought it was going to happen already, and it hasn't, so... Been that long. I don't know. I, I don't really know where they're going with this yet, but... If I was Mary, I'd be so happy I wasn't pregnant right now, because I'd be terrified. <laughs> I mean, seriously. God. Well, the... Uh... I love old-timey doctors, too, when he's like, well, my boy, the word anxious is what your problem <laughs> is. <laughs> Can you imagine? Right. You need to just think positive thoughts about babies <laughs> and your nether regions. <laughs> your nether regions. I don't know. The whole conversation was just hilarious to me because the doctor asks Matthew, like, well, is everything working? And he's like, well, yes. As if that's bad. <laughs> like, as if he just doesn't want to talk about having sex with his wife because it's too horrific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He's, his reaction was very strange to me. I'm just so happy I live in an era of medicine where it's not men in dinner jackets telling me how, you know, my reproductive organs work. And I love that they're, like, in the hallway, too. It's like anybody could come upon them and hear this, like, super awkward penis conversation. I was going to say, I thought it was super tacky. Like, the doctor's there to do a job. He's not, like, free... Hey, come find me and we'll let me know if you have questions about your own reproduction. reproduction. Uh, so long as you're gonna retire for a cocktail, can you look at this rash really quick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But worse, it was about his penis. 
was about his penis. <laughs> but Matthew oh, did that this... twice because then the lawyer came and he mooched off him too. That's right. <laughs> What's <laughs> up, Matthew? Mary, are you saying my dad is mismanaging things? Is that what yes. I'm overhearing? <laughs> Remember when he lost all the money? It seems like she seems to have forgotten that Lord Grantham lost all of their money. Yeah, it's like you married a modern, intelligent dude. Your dad, like, she has serious dad issues. Like, she needs to knock him off of that pedestal really quickly. It's getting annoying. Um, I found some fan fiction, Mary slash Matthew, with Mary going to Dr. Clarkson and discussing this problem with him about Matthew's privates. Uh, (laughs) That's just in somebody's very fertile imagination, pun intended. That is amazing. I did not expect to laugh this much on this podcast, I have to say. I know. I was like, it's going to be solemn. Yeah. I think we just have to we have to laugh through it. Well, I mean, what we haven't discussed the real action in this episode, which is whether Ethel's going to be able to make a satisfying kidney souffle for Isabel. <laughs> Why are we spending time on this? Sybil just died. Ugh. Like, we're waiting for news of whether Sybil's going to die or not, but let's cut to whether Isabel likes her tea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isabel's face. Also, oh, let's let's explore how people during this period in this place felt about prostitutes. I get it. <laughs> They're pariahs. No one wants to work alongside them. No one wants to be fed by them. I get it. And once again, we had another scene with Isabel and Ethel talking in a room across the room <laughs> from each other, standing like. What? How is this normal? <laughs> oh, here's the here's the conversation. Wait, did Matthew talk to Dr. Clarkson or or Sir what's his name? Yeah, I'm I talked to Sir what's his name. It was Sir. Okay, Watson. so here's here's the conversation. Matthew. <laughs> I wonder now whether the um injury might have affected my um I suppose I mean my fertility, if it may have limited my chances of fathering a child. Sir Philip. Well, is everything working as it should? Are you uh, getting yes. an erection? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, then why do you think there may be a problem, Matthew? We're anxious to start a family. We've been married a few months without any um, results, Sir Philip. <laughs> Dear Mr. Crawley, may I point out that word gives you away. Anxious. Anxiety is an enemy to pregnancy. All right. Well, let's get back to the ever never-ending storyline of Anna and Bates. Just as I was starting to like them, they annoyed me again in this episode because nothing ever happens. Well, maybe something did happen, you know? Maybe this is the piece of evidence, the pie crust under the nails, that it is going to... The leaps that they're going to are just weird. Like, no murder conviction is getting overturned because somebody saw the lady make a pastry. Like... I just, I mean, I hope it does so we don't have to talk about this anymore, but this is the dumbest, like, Please. clue ever. This whole storyline will only matter to me if we get to see a great flashback of her making and eating that pie with some, like, 
super jubilant music on the background. That's, <laughs> that's the only way it's going to it's gonna do it for me. Well, now what happens if, if Bates is freed and he goes back to Downton? He will, of course, become Lord Grantham's valet again, right? Right. Ooh. Which means Thomas gets what? Which means Thomas is going to burn the place down. <laughs> That'll be the series finale. Just like if I can't be the valet, no one can be the valet. <laughs> It'll be like Mrs. Danvers and Rebecca. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But Mosley will also be in on it. It'll be like a valet, <laughs> you know, death showdown. He didn't know yeah. that he was helping to burn the place down. I just bought this shoehorn. <laughs> I didn't know it was flammable. <laughs> Remind me, is this the episode where Daisy's still being a super huge dick to the new girl? <laughs> yeah. And Mrs. Patmore has to be like, look, that's not how you get a guy to like you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So Which funny. I always love when she like feels compelled to have to say something when really she would rather just ignore it all. But it becomes too irritating, and she has to just be like, listen up, kid. Yeah. Wait, is this what, this is the episode where Mrs. Bird uh, went, wait, is this the one where, um, when Isabel says, I don't think anybody could ever think that you did that to, to Mrs. Bird when she's like, well, what if people think that I was a prostitute? Yeah. Yeah. No one could ever look at you and think that, I think is what I'm <laughs> Burn. <laughs> and it's her, her like taking a back reply, well I should hope not. <laughs> yeah. Well I honestly after the Dowager this season with her hilarious witty remarks about, you know, when she was talking about that other house castle thing that burned down, <laughs> how ugly it was. <laughs> All the way to her like very moving and touching performance this episode. I could watch that woman read the phone book. Like, she is God's gift to the screen and to acting. I just cannot get enough of her. Seriously, she is amazing. Oh, I wanted to tell you. I wanted to tell you guys that this was the episode. I did decide that Alan Leach, who plays Tom, is cute. <laughs> Three years later, you're like, mm-hmm. I've been on the, I've been on the fence. <laughs> I saw a picture of him in Tiger Beat. <laughs> I don't know. I don't trust this judgment. This could just be your hormonal pregnancy. It could be. Or and he was like, he's he was such crying. a cute dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. Brittany's got, got a pretty good point there. And I was like, and he had such a big heart when his wife died. No, Rachel, I feel like Brandon probably watched you watch this episode and he'll never want to watch Downton Abbey again after you like <laughs> rolled around crying. And then we're like, you know what? He's pretty cute. <laughs> you and he's like, what a chick show. I'm never watching. <laughs> yeah. What a, what a show. What Look what it's doing to my pregnant wife. She's up. She's down. I mean, I could not. I had tissue piles all around me, yeah. And I was just like, the world is a sad, dark place. <laughs> I couldn't. I was in a funk. 
and you were texting me in all caps. It was just like, oh my God, never be happy again. <laughs> like just all caps. It was amazing. I just, I hate it when I don't see a death like that coming. And I do think, I have to say, we've talked about reports that we've seen that Maggie Smith is probably not returning, that the actor who plays Matthew is kind of in contract negotiations. So I just figured there were these things in the news and I was prepared for certain, like, I'm, I'm, you know, it wouldn't be great, but I was sort of prepared for the Dowager to pass away at some point. Yeah. And not one of the sisters. I mean, it's just Edith and Mary, you guys. That's it. Cat fight. Oh. They need more women on the show now. They yeah. do. More yeah. posh women. Edith needs a friend. God, she needs a friend. Yeah, so now here's what I think would be really interesting to happen. When we've only got Edith and Mary left, and Edith has gotten this offer for a newspaper column, right? So if this is the beginning of her being, like, kind of a career woman, and Mary seems to be, like, very resistant to actually settling in to being, like, wife and mother, then she could start to be super <sighs> jealous of Edith. Yeah. That would yeah. be nice. I Yeah, I can't even imagine where they're going to go next. I mean, I don't know how... Court and Lord Grantham will ever get along again. I don't know. It's just very upsetting. So traumatic. All right. Well, I think that concludes this episode of Downton Gabby and you know rest in peace Sybil you're wonderful on the show I loved your pantsuit we'll always remember (laughs) your good hair always remember your good hair remember her as she was with good (laughs) hair in her pantsuit (laughs) she was everyone's favorite sister really got along with people Um, quite shocking, I have to say. So where we could possibly go from here, none of us know. But we will be talking about it next week. So tune in. And in the meantime, talk to us online, on Twitter. And we are also on Facebook. And you can find us on Tumblr. And I will always love you.
Oh, <laughs> 